Hello, Horror Nights in Podcast family, and welcome to the Horror Nights in Podcast. My name is Crystal, and I'm the host of this podcast where I talk about horror movies, the good, the bad, the new, and the old. I upload a new episode of this podcast, or at least try to, every Monday, and we are going back to the basics, reviewing horror movies, because that is what started this whole thing, and that is what makes me the happiest. So let's get into the episode. Okay, so before we get into this episode, I wanted to take a second to chat about a couple things. First, Dexter premiered on Sunday, and yes, I watched it, and yes, I screamed at the top of my lungs when things happened. I will not give anything away, because if you love Dexter, I would not do that to you, but it's spicy and fun and great, and I loved every second of it. The first episode is exactly what I wanted after all those long years without Mr. Dexter Morgan. Second, I wanted to bring awareness to the entirety of the Astroworld Travis Scott concert because, listen, I know I don't have a huge trending podcast yet, but when something happens, tragically happens, and I feel any kind of way about it, I will speak on it. When you go to a concert, you're supposed to be in a fun and safe environment. So when hundreds and thousands of clips are being posted showing the horrific and horrible things that happen, it's definitely going to cause a visceral reaction to the viewers. It caused the visceral reaction to me. So uh, what I just want to say about that is I hope the event directors, organizers, the talking head of Travis Scott, and anyone else who had the power to stop that concert is just held accountable and... I just didn't feel right recording this podcast in light of everything that's going on. As I said, especially if I feel that something needs the attention. I know that all the world is consumed by this right now. And if you're not, um, you don't have to be. It's not something that is required of you to be aware of. But considering um, the death toll is pretty much rising every day, um, I think it's something that's important that needs to be be you know shed more light on so uh that's all I really want to say about that in this moment right now um but I just felt like it was important to just talk about it raise awareness about it because as I said I know I don't have a huge platform here in the podcasting world um but it was just something that I felt was important to talk about Okay, let's get into It Follows, and thank you guys if you voted on my Instagram poll for this film. I'm going to be honest with you, because I'm always honest with you guys, I've never seen this film to completion. Also, there are spoilers in this episode, so if you have not seen It Follows, do not listen, go watch it, and then come back. Also, if you hear a weird tinkering sound in the background, that is my ice machine, because I forgot about it, and... Yeah, so there's only, they shouldn't, it shouldn't last too long though. So anyway, um, as I say, as I was saying, I, of course, now, if you're listening to this episode, I have finished the film, but yeah, I never saw this whole film. So this 2015 film follows a young woman who is followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter. 
The director, David Robert Mitchell, said he got the idea from a reoccurring nightmare he used to have where he was stalked by a predator that continually walked slow towards him. I also have some other fun facts throughout this episode, so stay tuned for those. Okay, so the film starts with a young girl running from her home and seemingly being chased from the POV of the camera. She's also in little red heels and a nightgown, and we can tell she's young because her father is asking her what's wrong and what's going on as she runs to her car. And she's now speeding away from her home, and her cell phone is ringing all the while, and then she ends up on a beach. She picks up her phone to tell her dad she loves him, and in the next scene, we see her dead with her left foot missing and her right leg bent back in an unnatural angle. The scene then cuts, and we meet Jay, or Jamie is actually her real name, but they call her Jay throughout the whole film. She's our main character. She is floating on her back in her pool in the backyard of her family home. We find out that Jay has a date with a boy that she likes later that night, and then we meet a few of her friends and her sister. A lot of the times when we watch films, we definitely, at least maybe for me, we try to figure out the time and place of the film. And in this film, it's kind of almost impossible because the friends are watching an old black and white movie on an older TV on top of a bigger older TV. And one of the friends is also reading an ebook on this clam-like thing, but it also, the first time that I watched it, I thought it was a birth control pack. Um, but I guess it's a reference to how if you know, you know, the clamshell of your of our old cell phones that used to clap shut. So maybe that's where it was coming from. Um, but so we cannot tell where, when, how any of this is happening. There is one thing that I want to mention. In the beginning of the film, when we first meet Annie, who is the girl who ends up dead in that really crazy scene, <laughs> um... I, her license plate resembles a Pennsylvania license plate, which is interesting because as we continue to watch the film, it's actually in Detroit, so I'm not really sure where it came from, but then again, there was a lot of things about this film that kind of left you like, hmm, but we'll talk about that later. So, Jay is now getting ready for her hot day with a boy named Hugh, and we have to assume they are high school maybe first year college kids. What I believe is that um, Jay maybe be a freshman at like the local community college and her sister and her sister's friends are seniors in high school. But uh, like I said, it's very ambiguous. We're not really sure exactly how old anyone is, what the time period is, anything like that. Another thing I want to note is they actually all look like they are teenagers, young adults. They could be in high school. They could be a freshman in college. So back to Jay. She's on her date. She's in line at their local movie theater and she's telling her date, Hugh, about a game that her sister and her used to play called Trading Places. And this is where you pick someone to trade places with. And this is definitely an indication about the entire film. It's a metaphor for the entire film with only a few minutes in. And if I can remember correctly, in order to get the entity to stop following you, you have to essentially trade places with somebody else through a sexual act. But we're going to get into that later. So the two are now seated in their seats in the movie theater. 
and they're still playing the game. But this is where things kind of start to get a little strange. Hugh is pointing to a girl in a yellow dress that he assumed Jay wants to trade places with. But lo and behold, the camera pans and there is nothing there. Hugh then makes Jay leave the movies because he said he is feeling sick. Also, fun fact about this theater is that it's called the Red Ford Theater and it's located in Detroit. And the 1981 The Evil Dead film premiered here. So now the two are driving to dinner and they seem to be having a good time. They're hitting it off. But then the camera is slowly zooming in to Jay, but Jay is out of focus. And outside the restaurant, we can see that someone is slowly walking towards them crossing the street. So it's now the next day and Jay's walking with her sister Kelly and they're kind of chatting about the date that she had the night before with Hugh. And we also find out that Hugh and Jay, they haven't slept together yet. And we're not sure at this moment in time if Jay is a virgin or not. Not that it even fucking matters. But it could have been something that would have maybe... We'll talk about it later. <laughs> so anyways, her sister waves to their neighbor Greg across the street and the scene transitions to Hugh and Jay on another date. And, you know, things are starting to get a little spicy between the two of them. You already know. You already know. So they decide to get spicy at some strange, like, abandoned huge building with a lot of graffiti. And after they're done, uh, Jay's laying in the backseat of the car and she's daydreaming about her life when she was younger. So she's essentially... Thinking back to when she's younger, saying how she couldn't wait to drive in car with, cars with boys and kiss them and hold their hands and things like that. Just very innocent things that a young girl would think of as she's growing up. But then, Hugh decides to chloroform her and tie her to a wheelchair in just her bra and her shorts. She then wakes up and we see Hugh is behind her with a flashlight apologizing and he's trying to explain what is going on. He tells her about the entity that follows people. Someone gave it to him and he passed it to Jay. And he explains that this entity could look like someone she knows. It could look like a stranger in a crowd. And how it could look like anyone, but there is only one of it. So he then tells Jay he sees the entity and he turns the wheelchair around so she can see it too. The camera then pans to a naked woman who's walking very strangely and slowly towards them. Hugh tells her to sleep with someone as soon as possible to give it to someone else. He also tells her that if it kills her, it'll go after him again. He also gives her a little bit more food for thought. Never go into a place with one exit, because this thing is slow, but it is not dumb. So we are now with Jay's sister and her friends, and they are playing a game of old maid discussing Jay and her date as Jay and her date roll up in front of the house. Hugh, being the gentleman that he is, dumps her body in front of the house in just her shorts and bra with her hands tied together. The police and ambulance are now at Jay's home, and Jay is speaking with police about what happened. Jay is now at the hospital, and police are at the scene of where it occurred, and they find her purse. The scene progresses, and we see Jay is home now, 
and we also find out that Hugh wasn't even the guy's real name, and the police can't find him. Jay also has these two peeping Tom neighbors who watch her. It's like these two little boys. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, we'll talk more about that later, too. So she is now at school, and she's looking out the window, and she sees an old woman walking slowly towards her across the courtyard. We also see that her neighbor Greg is in her class as well. So this thing, the entity in the courtyard, is getting closer and closer. Jay jumps up and she leaves class, and the entity is still following her, but now we can see that nobody else can see it except for Jay. So Jay is now confiding in her sister Kelly and their friend Paul, who was in the earlier scenes. Paul vows to sleep on the couch and protect the girls that night from the entity. But herein, as I said, lies the problem, which we all know is Jay is the only one who can see this thing. There really isn't much that we know right now about Jay and her family either. Her mother seems to be a little out of it, kind of sort of absent from her daughter's lives and her faith. Her face is actually never really clearly shown. We do find out towards the end of the film that her father has passed away, but we never really know why. We never really get a resolution because of that. And also another thing, we never really find out how Jay and Hugh, that's not his real name, but we never really find out how they met. So Jay can't sleep in her bedroom because she's scared. So she sits on the couch with Paul as they watch another black and white movie. Clearly, we know that Paul is a thing for Jay, but he seems genuine and he seems nice, little white knight. We also learn that Paul, Kelly, and Jay have been friends for a really long time, and Paul and Jay are kind of just hanging out on the couch reminiscing about old times, but then they hear a crash and the window in their kitchen is broken. Paul then gets up, checks it, says no one is there, but we know better and he goes to wake up kelly jay then goes to look and sees the entity in the kitchen coming towards her and now it is in the form of a young girl with dark eyes slowly walking towards her but as we already know no one else can see it besides jay so when paul and kelly try to help they really can't so now they are barricaded in jay's bedroom and Yara, who is Kelly's other friend, is knocking on the door. So they open the door to see Yara, but of course we see something else is behind her. And this time, it's a tall man with dark eyes coming into the bedroom, but Jay is able to escape the room, and she flees on a bike that's just laying in their front yard, and she runs to the playground, not far from her home. She is now sitting on a swing, and she's looking out into the darkness. Her sister and friends do find her, and Jay makes her sister promise not to tell their mother. We then formally meet Greg, who is their neighbor, who saw them run from their home. Then it becomes sort of like a Goonies-type situation feeling when all of them are now traveling to find more information about this Hugh guy. So they do end up finding where he lived, and inside it's just a mess. All the windows are covered in newspaper. He has cans and bottles tied to a string on the windows and dirty magazines. And inside one of them that Paul is looking at, he finds a photo of Hugh in a varsity jacket with a girl. Now, they instantly recognize the high school. And Greg, Jay, 
are now at the high school trying to figure out who this guy Hugh is. It's also following her outside. The entity is following her outside, but Jay never notices it. So now they somehow figure out where this guy lives and they find out that his actually his name is Jeff. So they go to Jeff's house and his mom opens the door and Jay instantly recognizes the mom as the entity that was in the abandoned place from when she was first infected with this thing. So they are now all sitting outside with Jeff and Jeff is explaining to Jay and her friends about the entity. Jeff is telling them that he can still see it and if it kills Jay, it will come after him, which is what he told her that first night. We also find out that Jeff has no idea who he got it from because it was a one night stand at a bar. Kelly is also toying with the idea to have Jay pass it on. They are now all together in Greg's family's house on a lake and are planning what to do next. Greg is teaching Jay how to use a gun and they're all sitting on the small beach and in the distance we see something coming behind Jay. And nobody else sees it, of course. It's slowly creeping up behind Jay, and then it starts to pull her hair. Now, Paul is able to hit it with a beach chair, and we can see the form is actually taken on Yara. So Greg is also far behind because he decided to pee in the bushes, and Jay starts shooting at the entity, almost hitting Greg. So interesting, as we see that Jay actually hits the entity, she shoots the entity, and um, we can see that blood is dripping from the entity's nose, or Paul actually whacked it with a chair. And as I said, Jay also does shoot it in the neck before she slams the door and they run into a shed. But it changes form again and is now a super tall man form that we saw in her bedroom, and it starts banging on the door. It is able to punch a hole into it and it changes forms again into a small boy and then it changes into again and this form is actually Annie who was the girl in the beginning of the movie who had like the red heels on and the nightgown. So Jay jumps into the car with her friends behind her in the wake and is speeding down a road and nearly hits a truck that's backing out of a driveway and she swerves to avoid it and she swerves into a cornfield. She then wakes up in a hospital and is surrounded by her sleeping friends and her family. And she has what I assume is like a broken wrist, I think. And she has a cut on her head. She hears footsteps coming towards her. The tension is building. We don't know what's going to happen. She's stuck in this this little hospital room with her friends and family. But it's just a nurse. So now we see Greg is pretty much sacrificing himself to help Jay by, you know, getting it on right there in the hospital room a few hours later. So in the next couple scenes, we see Greg is comforting Jay, but like is also a player. (laughs) And we can see that Paul is just totally torn up over this whole thing. Greg is convinced nothing is following him after the next three days. And we see Jay is now back home swimming in her pool. But it seems that Jay is still not herself and she's hiding in her bedroom and Greg still hasn't seen anything. She is now looking out her window, it's dark out, and she sees Greg walking towards his house, but it's not Greg. Of course it's not Greg. It's the entity. The entity then breaks a window, and it changes forms to Greg's mom. So now we see Jay has raced over to Greg's house to try and save him, 
and she runs she actually is able to jump into the broken window that the entity got into and uh changes the forms into greg's mom and the entity is now pounding on his bedroom door and greg opens the door and says what the fuck do you want mom and the entity then lunges and attacks greg and it kills him so now we are back to right where we started, guys. It is coming after Jay again in Greg's form. Jay is now off and driving again to the woods, trying to get away from the entity. And she wakes up on the hood of her car, and she's at a small beach again. She then sees a boat with three guys on it. And, you know, we have to assume that we all know what she's thinking. So she starts to take off her shirt, and she then enters the water and is making her way towards them. We don't see what happens next, but we have to assume we know what she did because she returns home dripping wet and her cast is gross and soggy. But then she tells Paul, who is now there at her home, that the entity would be there soon, which makes me think maybe she didn't do what we all assumed, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. So Paul is now offering himself up to sacrifice for Jay, which we knew was coming, let's be honest. So now we have Paul, Yara, Kelly, and Jay, who are going to the pool where Paul and Jay had their first smooch, and Jay sees the entity on her roof in the form of an older man. They also have a plan, and this involves this very large Olympic-sized pool. So we see them setting up like a ton of wires, lamps, a lot of electronics around the pool, and Jay is now getting into the pool, and we wait. A few hours passes, then Jay spots the entity and starts throwing, and basically the entity starts throwing the objects into the pool, and, she, and the entity is launching them in her direction. Paul also has a gun, and he starts shooting at the entity that Jay is pointing towards, and he misses and he shoots poor Yara in the leg. So Kelly then throws a sheet over the entity and Paul is able to nail it in the head, causing it to fall into the pool. But just as Jay is about to jump out of the pool, it grabs Jay's foot and somehow Paul is able to miss shooting Jay in the head and he's able to hit the entity in the head. So it's very dramatic. Then Paul asks her to look to see if the entity is still in the pool. She looks into the pool and she just sees red coming to the surface. And the scene cuts to Jay and Paul, who are now getting it on. <laughs> we then see Paul in a rundown part of the city. And we assume that he's like picking up a prostitute to pass on the entity. So now we see... That Jay and Paul are now walking down the street, they're hand in hand, and we see that something is following them. But then, of course, the film ends. Okay, so now that I have officially finished the film, and now that I have officially told you about the film again to refresh all of your memories, I really did enjoy it. I definitely caught on to the sexual tension between the main actors and also the extras and the supporting cast, which can take a nod to our society as a whole, to where sex is literally everywhere, especially in the media. We all know that sex sells, and we know that it does. So to have a film dedicated to the idea that if you indulge in sexual activity, 
you can have negative consequences. Not all the time. I'm not out here preaching that you shouldn't do it, but I'm just saying, like, just be safe. (laughs) It is also said it is a metaphor for sexually transmitted diseases and sexual promiscuity. And the director also said in an interview that as he got older, he actually added in the aspect of sex. There are also a handful of little things throughout the film that allude to the same theme, like the story that Jay tells Hugh slash Jeff on their first date, the game of old maid, Paul, Kelly, and Yara play, uh, where basically you have to give away the card in order to win, aka pass it along. So there's definitely a lot of things in this film that allude to the theme of the story. Okay, so I have to talk about it. Do I think that Jay slept with the three guys on the boat? I do not think that she went through with the plan because, okay, now hear me out. Something is symbolic about that red ball that we keep seeing. So we first see it when it hits her window. Then we see Hugh slash Jeff holding a ball when they go to his house. And then we see a ball bouncing through Greg's house after she sleeps with him. And then towards the end of the film which is the boat scene, Jay is wearing a shirt with a blonde girl and there's a ball on the shirt too that she removes to get into the water towards the three guys. And hear me out, she is still wearing that same shirt when we see Paul try to kiss her, which I think, I think that means that she did not go through the plan. You can rewind that and listen to that again because I know that was probably a lot of information. Um, But I honestly think that she did not do anything with those guys on the boats. I really don't I really don't think that she did anything with the guy on the boat. So um overall I think the casting was done really, really well. So as I mentioned earlier in the episode, the cast they just look like teenagers. They look like they could sit next to you in high school. I mean maybe me. I know that high schoolers now do not look like the high schoolers at least they didn't look like me when I was in high school. But these kids in this film You could definitely see them sitting next to you. So, and as I mentioned, there is so much symbolism in this film, even in the last scene. Both Jay and Paul, remember when they're walking down the street, they're both wearing white, which I first thought could indicate that they were purged and they were pure again. Or what I found on the internet, it can mean that they are both ghosts of their former selves, considering To a teenager or a child, a ghost is always seen as like a white entity. Um, Even in funny things, we see like a a ghost is always portrayed as having like a sheet over their head. So that's also another way to look at it. Um, Even when Hugh slash Jeff, like when he, remember in the beginning of the film when he wanted to switch places with a small child, um, that could indicate that he just wanted like a fresh start. So I also want to talk about the entity itself. I believe over time throughout the film, it just got so frustrated and so pissed that it could not kill Jay. So when we first see the entity, it's in the form of an old woman. Like she just looks like blank faced and ever moving forward. But then we can see it change forms. It just has a really angry expression on its face, especially at the end when, remember I, you know, the guy that was on the top of the roof, that's actually in the form of her father. So I think this is entity towards the end of the film was just getting more and more pissed off that it couldn't get to its target. So essentially it got mad and it was like, you know what? I'm gonna take on the form of your dad. 
And um, I was actually, when I was doing my research, I read that the father had passed away. But like I said, we don't really know what really happened. Um, so the director also was influenced by Carpenter and Ramiro to their style of filming, to the creative decisions on the film. And the lead character's nickname is Jay, but as I said, her name is Jamie, which is a tribute to Jamie Lee Curtis. And Curtis also has a sister named Kelly, which of course is Jay's sister in the film as well. Even in the opening scene, the girl's name is Annie, which is a reference to Annie Brackett from, of course, Halloween 1978, which is awesome. I love when we pay tribute to old horror. Um, I think another reason why I enjoyed this film is that we are immersed in the collection of these young adults. They thought and acted like teenagers and young adults. They made this kind of really silly plan to electrocute the entity by placing the objects around the pool. So that definitely gave me a very Goonies approach to killing this thing. A very, I don't want to say like mediocre, immature way, but in a sense, you know, I feel like the director could have gone either way. He could have been like, yes, this will work if you electrocute the thing, or we're just going to show it as like the silly play that these teenagers tried to do to try to figure out how to get rid of this thing. Um, so I liked that too. So, and you know, guys, the film itself is just so, so creepy. There's something about thinking someone is following you, whether you were in a car, whether you're walking down the street, whatever the case may be. It is a primal fear that our bodies can sense before we can even really do so. And, you know, to really capitalize on that is just really, really freaking scary. We're also on edge just watching the film because we, along with Jay, we are constantly looking for things that are following her. Then, when we did see what she saw, like, it was super unsettling. So, I don't know. I, I really liked this film. I'm really glad that I watched it. I'm happy I finally watched the entire film. And I'm able to do this really fun deep dive with you guys. And I hope that you enjoyed it as well. I feel like I talked really fast during this podcast episode. But I was just, like, really excited to talk about it. And I really wanted to, like, get to all, like, my points that I made. <laughs> um... So I hope that you guys enjoyed it. If there's any films you want me to do, please let me know. You can send me a DM on Twitter or Instagram. Just thank you guys so much for listening and stay tuned for my next episode. New episodes drop every single Monday and just thank you so much for being here. Also, if you want to catch my YouTube videos, I post new ones every single Wednesday where I talk about strange and unusual things on the internet. You can also rate and review this podcast if you want. That'd be cool. And remember to stay safe out there, guys. Stay spooky. And you can follow me on all my social media if you want. If you like it, it's up to you. <laughs> all right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye.